Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to On the Ball with Rick Buecher. Here's your host. Let's send it over to Rick Buecher. Rick Buecher. This is On the Ball on the United Wecast Network, and I am Rick Buecher. You can see me on FS1, hear me on Fox Sports Radio, and you can read me on the Fox Sports app and at foxsports.com. You can also follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at Rick Buecher. I'm a lot of places. But there's only one place you can hear me talking about story angles and perspectives that you are not likely to find anywhere else, primarily but not exclusively involving the NBA. And that is here. I had planned to do an episode on Zion Williamson. Maybe the return of Zion Williamson would be a better way to put it. Anyway, but I decided the time was now particularly after seeing a clip from the Pelicans-Rockets post-game press conference. A reporter asked Zion how he would grade his defense in the game. Zion turned the question around, which I give him props for. That's a very effective tool when confronted by a difficult or tricky question. The reporter said, B-. And Zion said something to the effect of, I respect that. Big smile. Clearly happy with the grade. Now, I was thinking, wow, a B minus? This must have been the best defensive performance of the year by Zion. Maybe of his career. Because let's be clear about something. Zion does not care a whole lot about playing defense. And I say that rather than saying he's a terrible defender because it's hard to grade someone when they don't try. Trust me, I know. I was like that in school. I was happy to get a B. If I got an A, cool. But my parents were good if I got a B. And it just seemed like somebody who got straight A's was was just trying a little too hard. That was my approach, at least until... I realized that I needed a certain grade point average to get into the school I wanted to get into. And then I upped my game. Then I saw the connection. But prior to that, what was the point? Anyway, let's make no mistake about it. Zion does not put in effort at the defensive end. The Atlanta Hawks TV broadcasters actually joked about it. Longtime play-by-play man Bob Rathbun saying... He seems to be in better shape at the offensive end, which drew 
a straight-up giggle out of color commentator Dominique Wilkins. This was after Zion was little more than a turnstile as John Collins went by him for a layup. But then as soon as he got to the other end, Zion was all energy, spinning his way to the basket with an explosive move. Now, there are times a guy gets caught sleeping on defense and gets scored on, and then that makes him mad, and he goes to the other end, and, and he gets it back. That wasn't this. Unless it's that Zion is letting guys score so he can get mad and put it on them at the other end. Because the sequence with Collins wasn't the exception. It's the rule. Zion stands straight up. He doesn't play angles. He doesn't read the floor as far as where his man is and where the other offensive players are. And he rarely even has a hand up when contesting a shot. He does not have or does not appear to have any idea what the other team is running set-wise and where he needs to be to have the best shot at making a stop. If he drives to the hoop, doesn't score, and either hits the floor or thinks he was fouled, he does not hustle to get back in the play. If he's off the ball, he's more likely to lunge and take a swipe attempting a block, which rarely works out. His momentum ends up carrying him out of the play. He's blocked three shots in 11 games this season. And I'd love to see a stat of how many times he's tried to block a shot because I'm guessing that it's at least two or three times a game. Now, consider the athleticism of Zion, how he attacks the rim at the offensive end. Three blocked shots in 11 games. And overall, you could make a highlight reel of Zion getting his ankles broken by an array of offensive players. I can't believe that's because... Well, I know it's not because he's not athletic enough to stay in front of guys. It's because he stands straight up. He's, he's got no defensive stance. And anybody, no matter how athletic, you do that in the NBA, you're going to get beat. You're going to not only get beat, you're going to be made to look bad. It's no accident that the Pelicans had one of their best defensive performances of the season against the Grizzlies in their last game with Zion sitting it out because of a bruised right foot. Now, I hadn't watched the Rockets-Pelicans game, but now after seeing that post-game press conference, I had to. I had to know where this spectacular B-minus came from. So, I dialed it up online. Now, this isn't on the level of the sacrifice I made watching the three-and-a-half-hour movie Kyrie Irving regrettably brought to everyone's attention, but it's in the same category, at least for me. Some people may enjoy watching the Rockets' brand of basketball. It's frustrating for me to watch. They have a lot of immense, special talent that seemingly has no idea what winning team basketball looks like. The two exceptions being Eric Gordon and Alperin Sengun, their second-year center from Turkey. As I watched the game unfold... I was wondering, because I'd seen the final score, obviously, and now I'm watching the game, and I'm watching the fourth quarter, and I'm wondering, how in the hell did the Rockets lose by 13 points? Early in the fourth quarter, they had an eight-point lead, and the score was tied with under three minutes left. Now, here's the answer. 
Gordon and Sangoon rarely touch the ball in the last three minutes. And the Rockets have no floor general. This was their offense in the final three minutes. Three consecutive turnovers by three different players, and then three-pointers jacked by Jabari Smith, a 28% three-point shooter, and Jalen Green, who is a decent three-point shooter, but not when he has to double-clutch and lean just to get the shot off, which is what he had to do. Porter Jr. then managed to get into it with Jose Alvarado in the final seconds, both of them getting tossed, just to put a nice bow on it. I thought I'd somehow flip to a different video and was watching an AAU game. As for Zion's defense, it was no better than any other game I've watched this season or maybe in his career, and I've caught more than a few. Because he's a handful offensively, no question. I love watching his offensive game. I'm mesmerized. He's a willing passer. He has an excellent handle for a big man, and he's so quick off his feet that even though you know he's going to the rim, timing your jump to meet him there and do something about it is a challenge. He can take contact and still finish, hangs in the air well. Between his handle, his ability to spin and keep his balance and then explode to the rim, he can make something out of nothing with only seconds left on the shot clock. The Pelicans have a winning record. It was 7-6, and six, I believe, with Zion. And have beaten some good teams. The Mavericks, Clippers, Warriors, Bulls, and now the Grizzlies. Because they can put four guys on the floor with Zion, who are either good defenders or will give an honest effort. And I'd say for the most part, they're all good defenders. Herb Jones might be a future defensive player of the year. Jose Alvarado is a younger, bigger Pat Bev. Larry Nance Jr. will get after it. Jonas Valanciunas will move his feet and bang with the best of them. But with Zion playing either power forward or center, it's relatively easy for teams to get him involved in a pick and roll and then get him switched onto a guard. And then it's curtains. Kevin Porter Jr., Eric Gordon, even Jabari Smith went by him at will in half-court sets. K.J. Martin blew by him in transition, took a pass, and dunked it for a late third-quarter lead. Now, that happens with a lot of bigs in terms of the pick and roll. Rudy Gobert is the most extreme example. The difference is that those bigs provide rim protection and rebounding, and Zion offers Neither. He doesn't box out at either end, and I've already covered his shot-blocking shortcomings. He's not any better off the ball in any other way either, defensively. The next time he rotates to close out on a shooter will be the first time. And I don't know if it's he doesn't want to make the effort or he's not sure where he's supposed to rotate, but he spends as much time in no man's land as anyone that I've seen who gets to play as much as he does or is just as talented as he is. He's leaving opposing three-point shooters wide open all the time, or the Pelicans are often as a result of where Zion is. And that may not cost them in the regular season, but you can be sure it will lose them playoff games. Wide open threes can't be cavalierly handed out in the postseason. Defense, of course, is a physical grind. 
And maybe Zion is simply protecting himself. He knows he can't go hard at both ends and keep his body from breaking down. I'm giving him a huge benefit of the doubt here, but I'm willing to do it. Look, I like Zion. I like his personality. There's just, he's a likable dude. And he's, he's a good watch. Considering how much time he's missed, that's, I consider that a legit possibility. And if the Pelicans not only are aware of that, but co-sign his approach, and I don't just mean GM David Griffin and Coach Willie Green, I mean the entire locker room, then it could possibly work. When the Philadelphia 76ers went to the finals in 2001, they had a similar understanding or arrangement with Allen Iverson. And this, by the way, is one of the things that annoys me about the complaint by fan bases when their star is putting up big numbers, but nobody else is, and the team isn't winning or isn't winning as much as as, as expected. And fans, well, he needs help. He needs more help. I, I, not just fans, media too. He's being underserved. He's being taken advantage of. Look, that's rarely the case. If it is, he isn't really a star. Because stars true stars improve the players around them and find a way to win over getting big personal numbers the Sixers were a case in point I heard plenty of times how Allen needed a second star that that he was carrying that team not exactly not if you understand the game six guys on that Philadelphia 76ers roster shot the three better than Allen, yet he took the most threes. 13 guys, I'm not making this up, shot a higher percentage overall, but Allen took the most shots, two and a half times more shots than anybody else. His assist to turnover ratio was horrible. Eric Snow and Aaron McKee were far more efficient distributing the ball, had more assists, had fewer turnovers. The Sixers lived off of their defense, which was fifth in the league. Now, Allen had the most steals for the team that season, but that's not always a reflection of good D, and it wasn't in this case. Allen sometimes gambled too hard and left the defense exposed when he came up empty-handed. Rajon Rondo, another guy who could play defense really well, also had a tendency to do that and got credit for being a good defender at times when he wasn't. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The rest of the 76ers were good, though, with the division of labor, with doing all the grunt work, with not getting a whole lot of praise with hearing the misinformed gripes about Allen having to carry the team. They didn't care about any of that. All they cared about was the end result. And because head coach Larry Brown made sure Allen knew his teammates were affording him the freedom to gun away even on nights when his shot wasn't falling, it worked. Without Larry staying on AI and the maturity of Allen's teammates, and let's be fair, Allen also recognizing 
what his teammates were doing for him and never once buying into the media or public suggesting he was being unappreciated or exploited or taken advantage of. It worked. And AI could have. He could have bought into that. He could have groused. Would have been way out of line and would have undermined the team. So good on him that he didn't. And at least until they got to the finals where they met Shaq and Kobe and a Lakers crew crew that had that same understanding and were simply more talented, it was a formula that worked. And why did they do all that? Why did all the other Sixers make those sacrifices, keep their mouths shut and just keep grinding? Because they knew Allen had the capability of helping them get to the finals, that, a capability that none of them Uh, the rest of them had. They recognized that AI was special in his ability to make something out of nothing offensively, to wreck a defense despite it being specifically designed to stop him. He might not have been efficient, but in big spots, he could deliver in a way that nobody else on that team could. And so they lived with it. They lived with the disparity. Zion has that same ability. And if the Pelicans all recognize it and accept that to keep him healthy, that they're going to have to give him a pass on defense, it could work. I'm not saying going to the finals, but in terms of going to the playoffs and maybe winning a round or two, it could work. Now, he has a likable personality, which also helps. The wrinkle here compared to the Sixers slash Allen Iverson example I gave, is that Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum are special scorers as well. A lot closer than anybody on the Sixers was to Allen. And in in some ways, they're more versatile scorers than Zion. Ingram and McCollum, that is. Now, I doubt they're ready to watch Zion have unfettered offensive freedom and not give a damn on defense while they take fewer shots and bear down to be the best defenders they can be unless unless they're winning unless it's a winning formula guys will put up a lot with a lot if it means that they're winning especially guys the demeanor or the attitude the approach that i sense certainly i know that cj mccullum has He's just all about winning. (laughs) Look what he did in Portland all those years in the shadow of Damian Lillard. Brandon Ingram, I'm going to assume so too, but I don't know him quite as well. And there's still one other element here. Is Willie Green ready and willing to call Zion out for forcing his offense or not at least hustling to get back on defense so that opponents are at least looking at a five-on-five rather than a five-on-four. Those dynamics are going to determine just how good the Pelicans are, not only this season, but going forward. There's one more wrinkle here. Your best player has to be your hardest worker, or at least one of the hardest workers on the team for a team to win a title. I've never seen a team win a ring without that. I've seen teams come close. I've seen teams be good for a decent stretch of time. But I've never, 
ever seen one finish on top. And it's not just play hard, because that's what Iverson did. It's work hard, which means leading in practice as well. Because leading in practice is what gets everyone else to raise their level, even if it's only one or two degrees, so that the collective level in games is now higher than it would otherwise be. It also instills the mental toughness of chipping away at a task, which is what the playoffs, minute by minute, possession by possession, are all about. When you're dog-tired, when you're down by five, when you've got foul trouble, when you're physically not feeling right because it's been a long season and everybody ends up in the playoffs with nicks and dings. Can you fight through that? Well, your ability to fight through that is built in December and January and February when, eh, rather take a day off from practice or go light in practice or whatever it might be. I'm not getting getting in the weight room today. I'm sore. But if it's your day to lift, getting in there and going at it the same way you would the first day of training camp. That's where that mental toughness to fight through physical issues is built. So is Zion all that? Because talent-wise... As much as I like Ingram and McCullum, Zion is their most gifted player. I wouldn't say he's their most skilled, but he's their most gifted. We use the term unicorn way too often, but with Zion, it applies. He's a unique challenge for every team. And maybe even more important, he doesn't really have a whole lot of value off the ball. So, They don't have much choice. He doesn't screen particularly well. He's not a floor spacer with his jump shot. And we've already said all that needs to be said about his rebounding and defense. If he doesn't have the ball, he's really not impacting the game. Maybe as an offensive rebounder. But what he can do offensively with the ball is the most tantalizing aspect of his game. I watch every Pelicans game I can because I'm intrigued by him in particular and then the team in general. There's no question the Pelicans are must-watch TV, in large part because Zion is must-watch TV. But let's make sure that we're watching all the time, not just when he has the ball in his hands, especially if we're going to be handing out grades. All right, that does it for this episode of On the Ball on the United WeCast Network. Please rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. In the next episode, I feel like it may be time to delve into the Warriors and what is going on with them, why they are where they are, why they haven't won a game on the road, at least at the time that I'm recording this podcast, and what are the chances that they can recover and have a surge the way they did at the end of last season. There's a critical element that appears to be missing that nobody is talking about and that I believe is the crux of why they have a losing record right now and the element that they have to answer and find a solution for if 
they indeed want to make a run at defending their title. All of that in the next episode. In the meantime, as always, thanks for listening. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.